This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. Super cool so far. This is only week two of the series, but essentially Silent Killers is going through uh, some, some things that sort of attack us on the, the, on the low. You know what I mean? Like, like they come at us and they, they will suck the life out of us very, very quietly and under the radar. They're issues that come in and they make us feel isolated. They make us feel alone. They make us feel like we're the only ones struggling with these things. And so we thought as a church, maybe we could discuss some of them together and sort of bring some light to the situation and, and talk about how you're not alone in this. And these are things that, that are serious that people face by themselves very, very consistently. And so last week we started this thing off uh, talking through guilt and shame. How many of you guys were here last week to be part of that conversation? Okay, cool. If you missed it, um, a partial will be up on the podcast. We had some issues with it, and so it didn't record the whole thing. And so we've been trying to figure it out, but it doesn't look like it's going to work. So we're just going to put up what we do have so you can be part of the conversation at least a little bit. But um, to give you a little bit of a recap, uh, last week, I had uh, two guys up here. I had Tim up here, and I had Rich up here. And Tim shared a little bit of his journey of coming out of a legalistic, like, ultra-conservative faith tradition, right? And so he grew up in this church uh, culture that uh, was very, like, I, I guess we'll, just, we'll just say legalistic and ultra-conservative. That's, that's kind of how we'll put it. And so we talked through him coming out of that sort of theological framework and practical, you know, religious framework and how the guilt and shame that came with that as he moved forward and as he deconstructed and reconstructed his faith in Christ uh, it just, just plagued him consistently through that process. And then we talked with Rich as well who shared about some childhood uh, trauma and abuse that took place that really um, triggered in him a lot of guilt and shame moving forward. And so we talked through how they had to, to sort of deal with that, process that, and move forward through that. And so make sure you check out the podcast uh, to be part of that conversation because it was really, really powerful. We've gotten a lot of feedback of, of how it really um, you know, impacted people in a serious way. And now this week, today, um, as if last week wasn't heavy enough, talking about guilt and shame, today we are taking on the issue of body image and how it relates to self-worth. Yay. <laughs> but no, seriously, it's going to be an awesome, awesome conversation. I want to start off, um, I have a Facebook friend who posted this week, and um, it was, it was uh, really eye-opening to me. I knew that we were going to be talking about this. I knew that, um, you know, we planned this series back in December of last year. And so when this post came through my news feed and I read it, I was like, wow, that's, that's I, I, I had this like, I don't know, almost energy inside of me, like I got inspired and I was excited and I was like, man, this is, this is incredible. And so I actually want to read this post to you. And so um, again, if you're listening on the podcast and there's kids in the car, you can put headphones in if you'd like. Um, but this is, this is a post from one of my Facebook friends uh, that she, she posted, I don't know, a few weeks ago. And I thought this was just so fitting to what we're going to talk about today. And so it says this, it says, I am the biggest I've ever been. I'm focusing on my sobriety and my mental health and my job and my relationships. 
so I had to buy a new swimsuit for this summer. Normally, buying a new swimsuit is a whole ordeal full of tears and self-hatred and promises of new diets. I heard lots of that from the other women in the fitting room today. But I had a different experience. For the first time, I tried on a swimsuit, and I smiled. I noticed how long and nice my legs looked, how amazing my boobs looked. Same. Um, <laughs> I even shook my booty a little. The <laughs> I, I'm telling this is what they wrote. The shame tried to sneak in. Tell me I shouldn't wear a two-piece. My back fat was showing. It made the skin under my bra push out. But I, then I remembered my purpose on this earth is not to be small. It is not my life's mission to make myself shrink smaller and smaller to fit some, some ever-changing social mold. It's not my job to sacrifice my mental and physical health so I can become someone I was never made to be in order to make the world more comfortable. I was made to be boldly me, to speak my truth, to wear whatever I want, to eat whatever I want, and to work out whenever I want because my body is a temple, but it is also my home right. Or no, she said, whatever I want. Because yes, my body is a temple, but it is also my home. And right now, it's comfier and softer than it's ever been, and I'm okay with that. So yeah, and this... <laughs> Then uh, she goes, yeah, uh, so yeah, you can cash me at the beach. I guess that's catch me at the beach. That's like uh, young people talk. I'm getting so old. You can uh, cash me at the beach without my cover-up on this summer. And then she had a hang 10 emoji and a smiley face emoji with the, uh, the sunglasses on, right? And so I read this, and I was like, man, yeah, that's so true. And that's so powerful, and I bet that's so encouraging for so many who came across that post. Because body image is such like a taboo thing in our culture, and it's such a powerful thing in our culture and it, as it relates to our self-worth. And the thing is, it starts at such a very young age. Like, this is not something that only adults deal with. I mean, when you're four and five years old is when you begin to compare yourselves to others. I mean, I have four kids. At that four or five-year-old range is when they start realizing, oh, okay, so, like, my skin tone is different than that person's skin tone, or my hair is different than that person's hair, or my nose is different than that person's nose, or my weight is different than that person's weight, and my height is different than that person's height. And they begin this process of saying, okay, so they begin to notice these things, and, and there's this sort of social construct that says, this is good, and this is bad. This is acceptable, this is not acceptable. This is desirable, this is undesirable. And it starts at such a young age, and then it's, it's radically impacted through the prepubescent and pubescent years, right? As you, I mean, middle school. I don't know how any of us survive middle school. I really don't. Like, that, that is the most insane time period in life. Middle school is absolutely impossible. And then plus, on top of, like, all the mental stuff that's taking place, you're going through puberty, and so all of your, like, body parts are developing at different speeds, at different rates. Uh, you know, your hormones are crazy. You got some guys in sixth grade that have beards and other guys in sixth grade that are still talking like this. You know what I mean? And it's like you got the whole spectrum in between. And so it starts at four and five, and you start comparing yourself, and then it compounds as you move into adolescence. And then, you know, these children become adolescents, but then also these adolescents become adults. And these body image issues can start 
at four or five just comparing yourself to someone else, compounded through middle school, exponentialized through high school and college. And then we have these adults walking around with body image baggage that could have been potentially with them for years and years and years and years and years. And it attacks us quietly. It comes at us in our own inner dialogue. And so just a side caveat before we move forward to those of us who are parents in the room. How many of us are parents in the room? Okay, quite a few parents. Listen, I read this book by uh, Meg Meekers, Dr. Meg Meekers, that's called Strong, Strong, Do- Strong Father, Strong Daughters. And it, is, it was so powerful. It is so, so, so important for us as parents to realize that we are our child's first teacher, Right? And it's so important for us to realize that our personal exemplification of body image and self-worth is projected onto our children. The way that we view ourselves and talk about ourselves and present ourselves teaches our kids how to view themselves and think about themselves and talk about themselves. Does that make sense? If we're consistently saying, oh man, I'm so fat. Oh man, I don't look good in anything. Oh man, none of my clothes fit me right. Oh man, I just need to do this, that, and the others, and then I'll be happy. We're projecting that onto our children, even at the ages of four and five, they're beginning to pick this stuff up. And so it is vitally important for the parents in the room to realize this cycle that's taking place, to realize that this thing is cyclical. So be very, 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 very careful because the the, the parent's personal concept and, and reaction to body image is put onto their children. And then these children have these body image issues who turn into adolescents, who turn into adults, who end up having children. And so then the whole thing starts again. And so it's cyclical, and we end up in this space where nobody's happy with themselves. Everybody wants to be somebody else. Everybody wants to look like something else. And it's causing all of this damage interpersonally and personally to us. And so the question becomes, how do we break the cycle? How do we even begin to combat or to address this idea of body image and and self-worth and how they are inextricably connected to one another? How do we process this? How do we deal with this? And so I have sort of three ideas. I was talking with Lori this week, and she sent me uh, just a bunch of stuff. I was like, hey, where do you think we should go with this talk? And she sends me like this essay. This is all the stuff we should talk about. I was like, yes, that's, you're so amazing. And so we, we, sifting through some of her stuff, man, it was incredible. I think there's three sort of ideas and ways that we can combat this cycle and way, approaches that we can take to combat this cycle. The first one is on a personal level. How we view it in ourselves, how we process it ourselves, how we have this inner dialogue with ourselves. We need to talk to ourselves differently. The way that we talk to ourselves, most of us would never talk to other people that way. We, we can potentially stand in front of the mirror and say, oh, that looks horrible. You would never say that to someone else. Oh, you're so fat. You would never say that to someone else, right? Oh my gosh, you really need to lose weight. You really need to do something about your hair. You really need to Some of our inner dialogue is so damaging and so defeating to ourselves that there's no way that we can begin to move forward. If we want to break this cycle, we really need to talk to ourselves differently. We need to practice self-care and self-love. And I know this sounds kind of hippy-dippy flower child to some of you, but to those of you who are in this, this is real. We need to practice self-care and self-love. And I use the word practice here because oftentimes it doesn't come natural and it doesn't come easy. It takes discipline. It takes intentionality. It takes practice to take care of yourself and to love yourself and to change the inner dialogue that you're having with yourself. It's putting yourself in check and saying, is this healthy? Is this moving me forward? You know, the Bible speaks to this as well. 
And so we need to, we need to change our inner dialogue. We need to practice self-care and self-love. And then the third thing is that we need to, we need to have an understanding, an adequate understanding of who we are in the sight of God. And we talked a lot about this last week, coming out of guilt and shame and realizing that God loves us and that you're forgiven and that you're accepted and that you're loved and that you're worthy of being loved and, and belonging and all of that. And that same truth applies to this today. It says in Psalm chapter 139, verse 13 through 16, it should be up there. It says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Understanding that you are so loved and worthy of love and that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you were made by the most infinitely creative being. And he creatively crafted and designed you to be you, not somebody else, you to be you. And so often we spend so much time trying to be someone else, we need to understand that God created us and designed us just as we are. And he loves you just as you are. That's huge for us to understand, for us to break this cycle. The second thing, so the first thing is engaging ourselves. The second thing is engaging others. We need to consistently be an advocate for psychological well-being, for mental health and wellness, encouraging others to keep themselves in line and keep themselves on track. We need to show love and acceptance to others, not create these boxes that people have to fit into. And if they don't fit into it, it's not pretty. It's not acceptable. It's not okay. It's not praiseworthy. Does that make sense? You know, unity doesn't necessarily mean uniformity. But we need to celebrate others and show love and acceptance. And then the third thing is we need to celebrate accomplishments. We need to celebrate kindness. We need to celebrate an attitude and a perspective. We need to celebrate diversity, right? We need to change the narrative. The physical attributes should be celebrated secondary to the personal and interpersonal attributes. Does that make sense? We need to stop celebrating physicality over who we are and what we're capable of. Do you understand? That's huge in breaking this cycle. In that book that I read, it talked about this. And so with my daughter, I have three boys and, and, and a girl. And this stuff applies to guys and girls, both. It's perpetuated by our culture and by our media and by our entertainment and everything towards women a little bit more than it is to guys, I believe. But it affects both. But with my daughter, Monroe, um, I, we are very intentional with the verbiage that we use in our house, at least the verbiage that I use with my daughter. I'm very, very, very intentional about this. I don't call Monroe my little princess. My Monroe is not a princess. She's a pioneer, and there's a big difference, right? She's not in some ivory tower waiting for some man to come rescue her in her sparkly dress and shoes. She's a pioneer. She's a leader. She's a trailblazer, and it's changing the narrative around this. It's instilling in her this confidence and this clarity of who she is and who she's created to be, not just some, like, pretty, pretty thing that someone should win and champion. Does that make sense? And so it's shifting the dialogue and the narrative around this stuff. I, 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 don't, I don't consistently tell, oh, you're so pretty, you're so pretty, you're so pretty. I don't celebrate the physical attributes as much as I say, girl, you're a trailblazer. You're a leader. 
You show all these other kids what is and what ain't. You tell them the right things to do. You show them the example of the right way to act, the right way to respond, the right way to do. We celebrate who she is and what she's capable of. We tell her that she's smart and she's a strong leader. We don't call her daddy's little angel, right? Because so often, unintentionally, we take these little people and we train them and program them, right, to have all of these issues with body image and self-worth completely unintentionally because we celebrate the wrong things. And so it's very, very important for us to be intentional about that. And so that's how we kind of engage others in this. And then the third thing is societal. Societal change will only happen if we change the narrative on a personal level. That's the only way that there's going to be big societal change in all of this. You know, the media needs to change. Entertainment needs to change. Advertisements need to change. The American perspective needs to change. I mean, I showed the staff... Um, this past week, a video, and many of you have probably seen it as well, where they take a slice of pepperoni pizza. Have you guys seen this? They take a slice of pepperoni pizza, and using Photoshop, they make it into like a swimsuit model. Have you guys seen this or no? You haven't, if you have not seen this, search. I mean, it's appropriate, but search it, okay? They literally take a piece of pepperoni pizza, and using all the different tools to doctor things up, they create a, a female like this in a red bikini, out of pepperoni pizza, right? They make these things, they doctor these things so hardcore. All of this stuff needs to shift. It needs to change. But the only way that that happens is if friends like my Facebook friend has the courage to make a post like she posted and change the narrative. To say, I wasn't created to be a smaller version of me. I was created to be me. Does that make sense? It's having courage to do these things. It's having authentic conversations that change the narrative. Kind of some of the stuff that we're going to talk about this morning together. It's being an advocate for others. It's wanting to be able to, it's being able to see people the way God sees them. Not a skinnier, fitter, better version of themselves, but to see them how God sees them and says, yeah, that stuff's important. Health is important. Absolutely. Being in shape is, is desirable. It's good for your heart, good for all these different things. But you realize that your worth is not wrapped up in that. You realize that God loves you whether you're 75 pounds or 475 pounds. Like, you get that, right? It's having that sort of perspective and love and advocation for others. And so this morning what I want to do, I don't want to sit up here and talk the whole time. This morning what I want to do is I've invited two of my favorite people in the whole world uh, to join me in talking about this. And so I've invited Lori Mitten and Jackie Dunkelberg up here. And so Lori, just to give you guys a little bit of background on, on who both of them are. Some of you know them, uh, some of you don't. Lori is a licensed psychotherapist. I don't even know what that means, but that sounds so cool, right? I'm a psychotherapist. It's like you got to say it in the Lego Batman voice for it to really get its, its um. It's like, I'm a psychotherapist. Like, yes, you are. Okay. Does that come with ninja training? Uh, she's a licensed psychotherapist, and she holds a degree in counseling uh, psychology with an emphasis on marriage and family counseling. And so uh, she's incredibly well-versed in all of these sort of topics. Actually, her master's thesis was how body image affects sexual satisfaction. And so she goes through and does all these things. And so Lori is like, you're a resident expert. Is that cool? Can I, can I call you that? Cool. We're going to do that. Lori is our resident expert, and uh, she's incredibly humble, and she's probably dying right now that I said she's an expert in front of everyone. But she is absolutely incredible. Love, Lori. And then Jackie is also super, super incredible. She is recently a stay-at-home mom of Owen and Josh. Um, 
Josh is her husband. Um, many of you probably affectionately <laughs> know him as the Eggman uh, from the Beatles song, I am the Eggman, I am the walrus, cuckoo, cuckoo. Josh, do you guys know that song or am I really dating my, I'm really dating myself, okay. Those of us in the room, yeah, we, we know what's up. Josh is the Eggman, he brings uh, eggs from his farm uh, here to sell in the lobby like a Pharisee. Uh, he'll pay for it on the judgment day, but uh, whatever. He's wheeling, dealing eggs out of the lobby on Sunday, so that's, that's her Josh. And then they are actually expecting um, another little one. They have another little one on the way, and so uh, Jackie would be a stay-at-home mom of three. And uh, Jackie is just incredible. She is a, uh, this is her self-proclaimed official soapbox, this, this body image and as it uh, pertains to self-worth and all that. And so I'm super excited, super honored, um, and pumped up to have both of them up here talking with me. So uh, will you guys welcome Lori and Jackie? All right. Thank you for clapping. That was my transition to my Ellen DeGeneres seat. Is that cool? You guys, you guys played right into it. That was perfect. Um, so Jackie, I want to start with you. Um, we're just going to sort of, the idea here this morning is, is we're going to have a conversation where they're going to sort of share their story and their experience with body image and how it pertains to self-worth and all of that. And um, this is a CC Conversation series. And so if you're new here and you're wondering, man, this is just people talking, the, these series are very, very intentional to share people's stories and hope that you can see the truth of Christ through what he's done in their hearts and in their lives. And so typically on a Sunday you would come in and we would open God's word and be like, the Bible says this, this is how you apply it. The Bible says this, this is how you apply it. Well, in these sort of series over the next several weeks in this CC Conversations, it's more about this is what God has done in their lives, now apply it. Does that make sense? And so it's, it's, it's equally celebratory of Jesus and God and all the things. We're not some new age, hippy-dippy situation. Um, but that's sort of the way that we flow through these CC Conversation series. We do these once or twice a year just to kind of share some stories because God's doing really cool stuff in the here and now, and we want to celebrate that. And so, Jackie, will you start us off just sort of talking through your um, relationship experience with um, body image and how it pertains to self-worth and all that through your journey? Sure. So it started when I was in the womb. Um, there we go. Okay. No, uh, like I said, it starts young. <laughs> When I was in second grade is the first time I remember being aware of my size. Um, I was talking to some friends, they were a year older, and we were talking about our weight, and they were laughing at me because I weighed the same as them, even though I was... See, you got to watch out for those third graders. They those can be... third graders are... They brutal. can be... I have a third grader. <laughs> they can be brutal. Um, so it kind of just started from there. It kind of snowballed. In middle school, I started my first diet. So I was the weird kid bringing like three ounces of cheese and four yeah. grapes. And yeah. Um, in middle school, like you don't have enough to worry about already. Right. In middle right. school. Right. And everyone else is eating pizza and Bosco yeah. cheese sticks. And yeah. I'm like, oh, great. Oh, stop talking about Bosco sticks. It's, oh, only, it's only the first service. <laughs> we got some time. Uh, I have a lot of damage there. So. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, and it was just... It was uncomfortable. It wasn't everything to me. Um, it kind of just simmered in the back of my mind. You know, there were a lot of comments from adults that just rattled around in my head. Like, um, do you have trouble getting boys to like you because of your size? Or you would be so much prettier if you lost, or you would be really pretty if you lost like 10 pounds. Which is horrible. Like, you would think, man, how could anyone say that? But those kind of things get said all the time, and it's not like they were trying to hurt you right. necessarily, but understanding the power of our words is super important of like, 
whoa. Like, right. Yeah. Those little offhand comments yeah. just still are with me today, yeah. like in my head. Yeah. Um, so I was just really insecure in my own skin, um, kind of felt like I needed to hide in the shadows, kind yeah. of held myself back, really shy because I just felt there was this thin person inside of me. And once that thin person came out, that would be the real me. Like, yeah, yeah. That would oh, yeah. be when I was ready to come into my own and take my place and stuff. And so it kind of just simmered. It wasn't anything crazy until I got married. Mm-hmm. And I gained what I like to call my happy weight. Um, yes, from the so Eggman. You got married to the Eggman. Yeah, because I thought I did it. I got love. You know, I got yeah. what I needed. And now I've got this affection, and it can never leave me, Josh. Um, and the that'll Eggman. be enough. And I, know, I couldn't have articulated this then, I don't think, but it just wasn't enough. Um, it was what I'd been looking for. Like, I thought this was the ultimate. Like, yeah. I'll finally feel loved. I'll finally feel worthy. Yeah. I'll finally feel like enough. And I wasn't. Um, and that's not to cut it, Josh, because Josh is no, great. Josh just, is magnificent. and He is. I mean, I would marry him if you weren't married to him. I, mean, I just think he's that great. It's too late. So is, that, even, is that weird? <laughs> even... Um, even that wasn't enough. Yeah. So I decided to start losing weight. I started going to Zumba, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I started, like, tracking my calories. So it started kind of in a normal way. But I started to lose weight, and people started to notice, and I just, I wanted more. So I got obsessive. I would eat 1,200 calories a day or less, which is, like, the minimum. Yeah. I would work out for an hour at least a day, just like sprinting on the elliptical the whole time. Which is like a ton of fun, right? I'm sure. (laughs) That was like my least favorite exercise ever, but I just had to do it. Mm -hmm. I would log all of my calories at the beginning of the day before I would even eat. So like I couldn't go out with friends. I couldn't vary the plan at all because I just, I needed to be in control of how much I ate and went. And even at work, I would... um, I worked at a hospital, and I was doing computer training to doctors, and an introvert doesn't like going up to a doctor six times a day saying, do you need help? Yeah. So instead of doing that, I would just run up and down the stairs, and I would do like 150 stairs a day. And then I would go home, and I would work out for an hour, and then I would just be a zombie because yeah. <laughs> I was eating yeah. bird food. And, yeah, right. Um, I just had no energy. So it just spiraled, and I was just doing it all from a place of hate. Like, I hated my body, and I wanted to be different. Yeah. Um, I remember, like, abusing that verse, like, I beat my body into shape. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't look up the verse or yeah. anything, but I was just like, yes, I'm beating myself until I'm worthy. Like, yeah. I will get myself into shape. I will be okay. And people noticed. Like, people were like, you look good. And yeah. I started getting all that praise and attention yeah, that I was that looking for. Yeah. That affirmation that I was good. Like, I was worthy. Yeah. But I felt so empty. Like, um, there was never a time where I felt good enough. Like, there was one time for two seconds in a Target dressing room that I felt, oh, I look good. But the rest of the time, I was like, I need to lose more weight. I need to get better. Yeah. I need to get in better shape. I need to get stronger. You know, all of that. And um, I just felt so hollow. I was like a zombie. Yeah. Um, My friend said later, like, she was like, I was so scared because you lost your sparkle. Yeah. And it sounds really goofy, like my sparkle. (laughs) But, like, the life was gone. Like, all I could think about 
all I could talk about was what I ate, yeah. what workout I did, what weight I was losing. Like, it was on my mind all day. I even dreamt that I would eat a lot, and I'd wake up panicking. Like, oh, my gosh, I, I like, can't believe I did that. Yeah. I just ate so much food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good, I didn't. So it was, I was trapped, and I felt like everyone was telling me how great I was doing, and I felt like I was about to fall off the edge of a cliff. Yeah. Because um, I wasn't ever thin enough to be diagnosed, like, anorexic or anything yeah. like that. A doctor would have probably been like, good job, keep yeah. up yeah. the good work. And I'm like, I'm dying. Um, yeah, on the inside. Yeah, yeah. so that's kind of where it started. Yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy, yeah. And that, that's so like, I feel like that's so many of us. You know what I mean? Um, Lori, what is, what is sort of your relationship and interaction and stuff with, with all of this? I don't know. Is the light on on the <laughs> microphone? No. There we go. Um, I, I don't know that it would at all start that soon. I had a very, um, a mom who was very positive and never said anything really about me or her. She was mm -hmm. uh, a woman who with, with extra weight. Mm -hmm. um, and it really didn't hit me till high school. Um, when kids, you know, aren't always kind. Um, Those high schoolers, third graders and high schoolers. Ooh, yeah. Gotta watch out for them. Um, and of course, just daily living. You know, the ads we see, the movies we see, even in my day when there was no social media back then, you still, everything you saw, everyone was thin. There were no people in advertising, in movies that were not thin. Um, so it hit me then, um, became more self-conscious over time, and I would even think to myself, that activity, that's for thin people. I'm not supposed to be doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would look stupid. I would look silly. I would look unworthy yeah. of doing those things. So that continued, um, uh, you know, it, like you said, society obviously values the way a body looks over anything else. If I don't have that body, then I'm not worthy. I'm right, which lowers a person's self worth. So, um, of course, that I'm making a long story short, but yeah, yeah. your story was so much more poignant <laughs> than mine. Um, <laughs> stop, oh, I'm comparing <laughs> crap. Um, <laughs> but that that changes didn't start moving and you know I didn't start changing and, and we'll get into that later maybe but um, until later in life but I carried that a lot um, yeah. I still battle it you know I think we yeah. all do or a lot of us do yeah um, but from a professional standpoint this development of poor body image into low self-worth that's how we tie that in yeah. is um, like you said you said a lot of it it starts very young um, we I my biggest if, if, if anything will make Lori Mitten angry, it's what I'm about to say. Yeah. Our teenage girls are in a world of hurt right now. It's going to make me cry. I, yeah. They're my passion. And this whole thing, um, this online, the social media world that they are steeped in, that's all they know. And that online persona that a lot of us are guilty of, 
Um, but teenage, the teenage world, they are so ego, or I'm sorry, peer centric, that that's what they that's what they stake everything in. Is this yeah. this is my world? These are my people. Yeah. Just developmentally speaking, that's where they are. And when that's their world, and all they see is perfection, that's what they seek out. Yeah. I'll, you know, so and so has that kind of hair. So and so has that nose, that skin yeah. color, that body. She doesn't have, you know, or she does have a thigh gap. I don't. Yeah. Thigh gap? What yeah. the heck? I mean, it's just. I haven't had one since like <laughs> third grade. <laughs> um. <laughs> I have thunder thighs for those of you listening on the uh, podcast. <laughs> um, but overall, if things aren't like so and so. Yeah. If if the focus is not on intellect and talents and all of those things, if the focus is on my body and my body is not enough, then I'm not enough. Yeah, and that's I mean that's that's huge. Um, so what when did, um, Jackie, back to you. When did you realize that body image was sort of connected to self worth, and when did you sort of realize that it was shaping your present and your future? And it was like, what was the the moment, like the aha moment of like, whoa. This can't be right. You know what I mean? Um, well, so it, it kind of started slowly. At a certain point, my body just couldn't take it anymore, what I was doing. And um, I just kind of slowed down naturally, but I was still obsessed. So I decided if I can't do it like this, I'll just become a dietitian, and then I'll have to be thin for the rest of my life because yeah. how am I supposed to yeah. work? Um, so it was Lent. Um and I was reading an article about how we should give up something or why we give up something for Lent, uh, why we should do it, even if we're not Catholic or Lutheran. Yeah. And I just felt a nudge from who I assume was the Holy Spirit saying, give up exercise. And I was like, what? That's weird. Exercise yeah. is good. Like, I had heard so much, like, that God wants. Like, it's sinful to be fat, and, yeah. like, God wants you to be thin, and you have to exercise, and you're yeah. a temple, and on and on and on. And I'm like, why am I giving up exercise? So I kind of fought it, and I said, fine, if I make it home, after, if I don't make it home by 3.30, then I will give up exercise for Lent. Right, uh, pause. <laughs> How many of you guys make those kind of crazy deals all the time? No? Am I the only other one? No, really? None of you are willing to admit this? Okay, there we go. Yeah. So God, if you just show me a sign, there's a sign. You're like, okay, show me another sign. In a, in a, you got five more miles. Yeah. So <laughs> that was plenty of time. That was way, yeah. like half an hour later than I would normally get home. Yeah. And it was like a blue, sunny, blue sky, sunny day. Yeah. And I'm driving home, and there's these random snow squalls that just, like, come out of nowhere and, like, stop traffic for five minutes. And then I keep going. So I make it home at 331. And I was like, Fine. Yeah, and now how many of you experienced that where you're like, okay, <laughs> I get it. You're in charge. Yeah. <laughs> so that night I had school, and before school I just sat and I read my Bible and I took a nap. And that might sound so lazy. Um, but is but that when you would have regularly been working out? That's when I would have worked okay. out. Okay. And that was one of the first times I remember being able just to sit and be enough and be loved just the way I was. I just, yeah. there was a song that I was listening to. I think it's called Beautiful King by Jen Johnson. And the song is going on about what can I do? You're so great. Like, what can I do for you? And God 
the second part of the song is God answering you. She says, just sit here with me and let me love you a little longer. And, like, that will stay with me forever. Um, It was really hard because I felt like I was gaining weight and I was disappointing all these people around me. Like, I was embarrassed to be gaining the weight back and going out. Um, But at the same time, God was pouring so much into me and tearing so many lies that I had believed out. Um, Before, I was pretty much going for she was thin on my tombstone and the smallest (laughs) casket possible. Take the least amount of ground space. (laughs) God was showing me, like, you were made for so much more than to be smaller. You were made... In my image, like, I love you so much, and you are valuable as you are. You can't seek approval from people because it will never, ever be enough. And I I can attest, once you have an experience feeling how much God loves you, nothing ever, ever, ever will satisfy you or even come close to that feeling. Um, And it's not always there. It's not like I'm always, like, Riding high, but yeah. I remember it. And like, I'm so great all the time. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That's that's really powerful. What about you, Lori? You said you said your journey was a little later in life when you started like. Yeah. Yeah. Processing um, or whatever. Being married. Um, well, growing up, my mom, like I said, was great, but um, a certain Bob Mitten took over the baton from her, mm. <laughs> and. Um, is it the same Bob Mitten that I know? Yes. Okay, all right. Just want to make sure we're on the same page. Um, he, he has helped me over time recognize that I'm enough. Yeah. More than enough. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't remember how many years in it was, maybe 10 years ago. Um, so 20 years into our marriage, 21, something like that. He gave me a book um, called The Sexually Confident Wife, and it changed my life. It was pretty powerful, and it said, um, it talked through all kinds of things that didn't even apply to me, sexual abuse and childhood and things like that, but it was powerful in talking about um, being confident in our sexuality, and that started kind of seeping into other areas of my life. Um, And I also did a master's project on... um, uh, sexual satisfaction, you know, and how it relates to poor body image or body image. And so that also sort of started informing me, not mm-hmm. just my research participants. Yeah. It was yeah. me too. Um, and then slowly over time, um, I've gotten to a better place. Uh, but the realization started probably, you know, 10 years ago when it was really like, bam, this is about not just, oh, I might need to lose weight, but yeah. my self-worth. Yeah, and how it's all connected. That's mm-hmm. that's wild. Back to you, Jackie. What what steps did you take to overcome or to push through? So, you you started. Um, you said you started putting weight back on, you, but at the same time feeling more fulfilled than ever, right? So, what steps did you take um, to sort of overcome the insecurities? Overcome, and maybe not even overcome as in like triumph, done, over, put a bow on it, see you later, but to continue to push through. Like, what are some of the steps that you've taken or done, or what's some insight you can give to that? Well, I would definitely call myself a during, not an after. Okay, okay. Um, huge for me was cultivating other interests, like 
going to Bible study or yeah. reading books like I used to, spending time doing other things and exercising and counting how much food I'm eating and yeah. weighing it. Um, but changing who I follow on social media, um, there are a lot of dietitians now that are health at every size and how to be healthy no matter what you weigh um, and how to love yourself and be okay with yourself no yeah. matter what you weigh. And yeah. I started following that instead of all the fitspo people who are yeah. like, look at my six pack. Yeah, right, right. Like <laughs> me on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I had to unfollow you for a while. I know. Um, <laughs> I get it. I get it. So These ads choosing, don't lie. Choosing my influences and choosing to be aware. So paying attention to what I see. Yeah. Uh, for example, I watched Gilmore Girls and I realized like, whoa, there's like, they're always making fun of people with back fat or yeah. whatever. And they're like, we're skinny and we eat whatever we want. But if you eat whatever you want and you're fat, like, <laughs> yeah, you're the worst. You need to be not. <laughs> yeah. And just, I think having your eyes open to even yeah. seeing that those messages are coming to you is huge. Um, yeah. uh, the cliche things, reading scripture and like telling yourself the truth, even when you don't believe it, is huge. Um, yeah. I say when I'm at my healthiest, I'm working from a place of worth. And I'm saying, I am in the image of God. Like, I am valuable yeah. as that. Like, yeah. he made me with a purpose. He loves me. That makes me valuable. What can I do today that will agree with that? Yeah. Is it eating cake? Is it eating vegetables? In my case, yes. Sometimes, Mostly, yes. yeah. Yes. Is it exercising? Is it rest? Because if I'm working to find value, I will never find it. But if I'm working from value, it's that's huge. It changes everything. It, yeah. it takes all. That was the really off. good. Yeah. Man, you didn't say that in the emails. I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I would say, say that again. What did you just say? So if I'm working from a place of value, then I'll be enough. But if I'm working to gain value, then I'll never find it. Yeah, that's so huge. So. Man, wow. Okay, man. Okay, so should we wrap up after that one, or uh, no, no? That was that was that was super, super good. Lori, what about you? What did you? What are some steps that you took? I know you said Bob gave you some books, and you started doing research, and so you started your eyes sort of opened to a broader understanding of what this really means. Yeah. So what are some some steps that you took, or some things that you sort of um, that guided you through the process? Well, one of the things that happened. Um, few years ago is that I did actually lose like 45 pounds, mm -hmm. but that didn't make me any more valuable. Yeah. It just put a big ton of confidence in my, in my being mm -hmm. and I put some of it back on, Yeah. but I didn't lose any of that feeling. I get yeah. upset with myself on occasion, but what I yeah. try to do is remember that my value hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah. My, my body is serving me the best that it can. Um, there's no such thing as perfection in, in the sense of it's in the eye of the beholder. Right. You know, um, so I'm not, I'm, something that Bob has always said to me is who does it matter, you know, whose opinion matters the most? Yeah. You know, and if he, if he's, um, calling me beautiful and. Oh, Bob's goo-goo-eyed over you. I, I get grossed out all the time. <laughs> I'm like, Bob, come on, dude. It's the lobby of the church. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> um, but that, you know, takes me a long way. But within, yeah. just internally, um, I just have to remember that I'm more than enough. Um, that my intellect, my compassion, my ability to love other people, 
um, that really comes directly from God, yeah. that's what matters. Yeah. And if I keep remembering that, yeah. um, then I can go a long way. And there's also various supportive people in this body, in this faith community. Yeah. I'm going to call her out. She doesn't even know it. I just thought of it this morning. But yeah. Brittany Miles, yeah. amazing. Yeah. That woman's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. And so mm -hmm. finding a support system, mm -hmm. finding, you know, your own yep. self-worth outside of all of that. That's, mm -hmm. that's crazy. That's awesome. So, so last question, just to sort of land the plane. Um, it's all been sort of focused on your journey and whatever. What just, is there any advice or any sort of tips or any sort of, I mean, you already did your mic drop moment, but maybe you can reiterate <laughs> it. I don't know. But any sort of like thoughts that you could leave with, you know, the rest of us in the room who are listening in on the conversation um, to sort of help us who may be on a similar path, facing similar challenges or whatever. I think a huge thing for me was finding out I don't have to believe every thought I have. I don't have to just take it like you're fat or you're unworthy or you're gross or you're, you're just not enough. Um, the, I'm going to take this scripture, read it, sorry. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets, it, sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Absolutely. And my old Pharisee self, which is a different story, would have said, like, you can't think anything wrong. Um, yeah. That's what that means. But it also means, like, we get, we get to hold every thought up to the truth of what God says. And he cares so much about how we feel about ourselves and he loves us can you imagine loving someone so much and they just hate themselves and you're yeah. like I see all this good in you and God even more I made you like yeah. I put all this in you I want you to do these things like get up and go and you're just yeah. sitting back in shame um I just there's that line in the song we sang reckless love there is no lie he won't tear down coming yeah. after you yeah. and like that is such a beautiful song to me because it's my story like he I could have lived my whole life if I'd never gotten so crazy uh just uncomfortable with myself and yeah. thinking that was normal because I think women especially just accept like you're not supposed to like yourself it's kind of rude if somebody starts yeah. complaining about your body and you're like I'm fine yeah um, yeah, yeah. But that's not how we're supposed to live. Just because culture says that's normal, it doesn't mean we have to accept it and believe that it's true. Um, we can hold up those lies and just, you were made for so much more. I'm so tired of seeing people hold themselves back because they're ashamed. I've seen it yeah. so much that they're ashamed of their size or the way they look or maybe they just don't feel like they've achieved enough in their life. Anything that you're trying to get value from mm -hmm. other than Christ, you'll feel that way. You'll feel yeah. empty eventually. So... I guess that's... Yeah, that's good. That's go. very good. Very good. Lori? I would say this is probably another soapbox, but I would say ask yourself who gets to decide what's beautiful. Is it Hollywood? Oh, boy. Yeah. Because yeah. that's skewed, horribly skewed. When you find out that a, a size six dress, you know, actress is told to lose weight, what? It's nonsense. And I think we have to think about how those standards are defined or who's defining them. Mm -hmm. um, and they're different from culture to culture. They're different from country to country. Um, it's just something about our particular culture in the US that is just skewed 
in that direction, and it's, it's just damaging. Um, and I, you know, over the years have become a little more of a, I don't know if I could be called a feminist, but my daughter called me one. <laughs> um, and I, we just have to remember that this, this is not, you know, the way I look is not what I want to take to the grave or worry about when I'm in the grave. I, I don't want people, when I'm gone, to say, wow, she looked amazing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Or she had a thigh gap or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Why would that matter? It just doesn't matter. Yeah. It, we want to be known for our, I would think, we would want to be known for our love and our mm -hmm. compassion. And, and if we are seeking to love other people, as Jesus told us to do, I would imagine that we need to love ourselves completely and wholly, all of us, not just, oh, well, I love myself, yeah. Yeah. but to really love ourselves. And you can, you can still try to be healthy and you know, eat well and live well and move well and all of those things and treat our bodies well, not abuse them. But if we really want to love each other people like we're told to do, we're commanded to do, we not need to love ourselves completely. That's huge. That's huge. So um, as the band prepares to come back up, what we wanted to do this morning is give you guys an opportunity to potentially process some of the things that we've talked about. And so maybe you're in here today and uh, body image and uh, has been tied to your self-worth and it's been a struggle for you know, potentially as long as you can remember, like always, you know, maybe for you it started second grade, third grade, even earlier, maybe it started in middle school, high school, whatever, um, but it's been tied to your self-worth and your self-care and your self-esteem, and more often than not, you know, you potentially feel defeated, you feel isolated, you feel alone, you feel not worthy, you feel not good enough, uh, you feel shame, you feel brokenness, you feel all of these things on the regular. And so what we want to do this morning is be intentional about giving you some time to process, giving you some time to engage with God, but also engage with yourself for a few minutes. You know, And so they're going to lead us in a song um, that we sang earlier, just sort of a reprise of it. But our hope and our prayer this morning is that through these conversations and through our time together that, that you would recognize and understand and embrace and pursue a vision of self that consistently says you're forgiven in Christ, that you are accepted in Christ, that you are loved in Christ, that you are worthy of love and you are worthy of belonging, that you're good enough because God loves you so much and you can find your value and your worth in that. So let, let's pray together. God. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.